child of God have in my hand the powerful word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want you just to kind of start shaking like this. All of you, come on. Come on, start shaking. Come on. Come on. I can't go on till you start shaking. Come on. Come on. Okay, do it this way. Oh, okay, so you'll do it this way. Okay. Now, what I want you to do while you're shaking is go, Lord, whatever's burdening my heart today, whatever's got my mind occupied today, I'm going to shake it out. So come on, shake it out. Thank you, Lord. Get it out of there. Get it out of there. All right. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. It's always good to be loved. Amen. That little video we saw, I think the, the I was touched so much by the families, of course, but then those service dogs that uh, you know they're laying right there by their by their master. That's all they know. And I, I was especially touched by the little one that's wrapped up around that flag. <laughs> uh, they miss them too. We don't we don't stop and think about some of those things. Last uh, message today in our series, the bridge. We've been talking about relationships and how those relationships should hold us together and bridge, build a bridge together between us. And uh, today we want to talk about the Lord's Supper. We want to talk about that relationship and the importance of it and the bridge that that relationship builds for us between God every day. How many of you have a trouble remembering things? I'm raising my hand first because I, I don't remember. Okay. I wear a name badge when I go to the hospital in case I get lost. They can kind of find me where I'm supposed to go. Uh, I thought about writing my name on my forehead backwards so I could look in the mirror and remember who I was. We forget things. Keys. Wallets. Checkbooks. Does anybody use a checkbook anymore? <laughs> yeah. If you're over 50, no, okay. <clears throat> Telephone numbers. Even when you've written them down, we forget them. Not, it's on speed dial, don't have to worry about it. I have Siri, I just asked her to call them, okay. Somebody's name. That's embarrassing, isn't it? You remember them, you know who they are. And then they, they tell you and you go, oh, yeah, yeah. Or, you've been that person all along, haven't you? Maybe birthdays, anniversaries. Men, it's not good to forget either of those two in your wives. Wives, it doesn't really matter if you remember or not because we don't matter. That's how I got it. According to Karen Bola, who is a John Hopkins University researcher, everyone forgets at one time or another. The things that they forget most often that she discovered are these. Names, where something is, telephone numbers, words, what was said, and faces. 
Those are the most common things that people forget. You ever made a statement, a promise, and then forgot that you made it? Oh, boy. When my kids were growing up, I would make promises to them. They never forget it. Now, I'm gone after I've made the promise. I'm on to something else. What do you mean I said you could go to Disneyland? Well, what? What's that all about? So we, we do that. And there are three kinds of memory. There's good. There's bad. And then there is convenient. <laughs> or selective, as they would say. I like the story of the three old widows who lived together. One sister got up to go to bed. Halfway up the stairs, she stopped and she said, Was I going up or was I coming down? One sister said, You were going up to bed. Second sister headed into the kitchen to make herself a sandwich. Once in the kitchen, she hollered back to her sister, who was still downstairs, What did I come in here for? Sister responded, again, irritated, You went in to make yourself a sandwich. After which she said, I'm so glad I'm not as forgetful as the both of you are. And she knocks on the end of the table. And then she gets up, walks over to the door and says, Who is it? We are forgetful people. And we come up with some clever ways to help us remember things. Uh, what's your favorite thing that you do to help you remember? Call your wife, okay? Sticky notes. Say it again. Use, she uses her daughter. <laughs> okay? Ever tie a string around your finger? Probably heard that one done before. Day planners. Some people even take memory courses to try to increase their memory. I don't know if any of them work. But you've got to find one that does work for you. But this is a weekend when we are full of remembering things. Uh, we just saw a video about the Memorial Day and the importance of that weekend. Most people believe it's uh, cookouts and boating and beach trips and barbecues and pools open. It's a four-day weekend. Depends on if you took Friday off as well. So It could be four or three, depending on the slave labor that you have accustomed to. Nevertheless, you know where Memorial Day originated from? It started in the Civil War when Southern women chose May 30. To, uh, 30th to decorate the graves of fallen soldiers. And these women honored both the southern and the northern soldiers. They didn't care who they were. They just went to honor them. That war took over 600,000 lives. And remember, at that time, the population was much less than we have today. So the entire country at that time was touched in some way by the Civil War. And unfortunately, because of those sacrifices then and now, we could tend to forget what this weekend is about. One of the most moving displays for this weekend is out at Floral Haven Cemetery in Broken Arrow. 
If you've not driven by there, you should drive out there today or tomorrow sometime and be touched by what you see. And you might be saying, well, what is out there? Well, then you drive by and then you come tell me. But it's an amazing thing that we have these weekends and sometimes we forget about things. The Bible, a hundred different places, gives us examples of things to remember. For instance, in Deuteronomy 7.18, we should remember well what the Lord your God did. In Deuteronomy 24.18, it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. In Psalm 105.5, remember the wonders He has done. Isaiah 46.8, remember this. Fix it in your mind. Take it to heart. Ephesians 2.12 and 13, remember that in the past you were without Christ. You were not citizens of Israel and you had no part in the agreements of the promise with the promise that God made to His people. You had no hope and you did not know God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away from God are brought near through the blood of Christ's death. We should never forget these things. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present in you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by the way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. We are forgetful people. We have to be reminded. God's Word encourages us to remember and that's why for nearly 3,500 years, God's people have had a memorial feast. That string tied around their finger, if you would, that they were commanded to observe in order to aid their memory. I've entitled the message today, Don't Forget Me. Or another way to say it is, Do this in remembrance of me. We have it carved in our communion table at the front. It was in our passage that we read from Luke chapter 22. When I think about Luke 22 and what we read earlier, I think about three, two or three things. One is that it's a very interesting passage of Scripture. Well, let me go back and read it again to you. Let me go back and read it again. Then, then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had been sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. I'm in Luke 22, and I started at verse 7. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Verse 14, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he has taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is is with mine at the table. For indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them might be who he was going, uh, who was going to do this thing. And there arose also a dispute among them as to which one was regarded to be the greatest. And so I found this interesting. Because he, he says the words, do this in remembrance of me. And they're not found in Matthew or John or Mark, only in Luke. And people have, and also over in 1 Corinthians, Paul mentions it. And that was the verses that we read earlier. And some have said, why didn't these others mention it? Well, I think it's because we're forgetful people. I mean, there's a lot going on in that upper room. Jesus was talking about His imminent death. He was talking about leaving them. He was talking about, I mean, they, was, they were thrown into a tiz about all this stuff. And yet He says, do this in remembrance of Me. You see... We are so much like Luke and Paul, how they have stated that. We need to be always reminded. I believe that's why churches put communion tables in the front of their church. They may not take communion as often as we do. doesn't matter. But they all have that same phrase carved in the table, don't they? Do this in remembrance of me. So they never, churches never want you to forget. Ever. Do you have your wife's birthday circled on the calendar or in your phone? Some way to never forget it? If you don't, you should. Every year in January, get out your calendar, find her birthday, circle it in nine different shades of color so that when you flip that calendar over, you're going, whoop, it's her birthday. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Cindy and I were shopping yesterday in Sam's. And uh, we stopped by the jewelry part. I was looking at TVs walking near the jewelry. And she said, let's switch places. So we stopped for a little while at the jewelry counter. I saw a necklace I thought was very pretty. I was going to buy it for her because I had failed to do anything significant on Mother's Day. So I pointed out the necklace. I liked the price I saw on the necklace. She, however, said, I would prefer this ring down here. It had a much larger price tag on it, to which I said, Honey, why don't we shop a little while and think about this? Hmm. She said, Well, I should be involved in this decision. I said, But if it's my gift, it's my decision. So, of course, I'm going cheap, right? (laughs) But nevertheless, I needed a constant reminder that I should not be cheap all the time. But I also found this story in Luke 22 significant. It's significant for the timing, the timing of it. Remember, they were in the Passover season, and it was the day of the Passover when they were having this feast in the upper room. And for nearly 1,500 years, the Passover has been a special memorial feast celebrated every year 
to help God's people remember their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. In fact, in Exodus 12, it says, And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as He has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, What does this rite mean to you? You shall say, It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when He uh, smote the uh, Egyptians but spared our homes and the people bowed low and worshipped. I've asked people before, Do you remember the day, the time, and the place that you were baptized into Christ? How many of you can raise your hand and say, I remember exactly the day, the time, the place, and who was there? Yeah? Good. Good. If you can't, how significant was that event in your life? Every January 31st, I remember. 10 o'clock. Saturday morning. Wasn't going in front of the church on Sunday. Told the preacher, said, ain't no way I'm going to in front of the church. Oh, he said, okay. Well, he had me then. So we end up at the church at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, Saturday morning, and he baptized me into Christ. And now look what I do. I'm in front of the church that I never said I would go in front of. God has an interesting way of doing things in our lives, doesn't he? But we should never forget what God's done for us. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Get rid of the old yeast that you may uh, be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Oh my goodness, what a powerful verse. 1,500 years, God's people observed the Passover. Jesus had observed the Passover meal. He and His disciples had no doubt had this meal together before, but this time it was all together different because the old covenant was going away and the new covenant was being established and it was a whole new day. Now they didn't quite understand what that meant, but it was coming. You and I should rejoice in the fact that we've been grafted in as non-Jews into the salvation of Christ through, through the cross. Each year, God's people observe this. They, they don't miss it. But I also found it intriguing. Two things intrigued me about this passage in Luke. One is why would Jesus choose that supper, that memorial feast? We've ended up calling it the Lord's Supper. What was the supper intended to cause us to remember? Luke twenty-two fifteen says, I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you. And then the second thing that intrigued me was that Jesus had a desire that they would not forget him. You ever had an older person begin to die and in the, on their deathbed they would say something like, please don't forget me? You ever had somebody tell you that? Please don't forget me? Because see, we all want to be remembered, don't we? Those that have had stillborns, those that have lost babies, you don't ever forget that. You never forget it. Some people celebrate. Even those days when that baby should have been born, they will celebrate that as a birthday. How special is that? You see, and, and, and if you've lost, if you're a parent and you've lost a child, you don't forget that, do you? You always remember. 
because it touches you in such a deep way. So should our relationship with Christ touch us in such a deep way. Now, in the next few minutes, let me, let me give you seven things that Jesus wants us to remember as we celebrate this new covenant memorial feast around the table each and every Lord's Day at our church. Seven things. Number one, Jesus wants us to remember our worth. Hebrews 10, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifice, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible for the blood and the bulls of goats to take away sin. Remember, you would have no hope without Christ and without His shed blood on the cross. For you know, it goes on to say, that it was not with perishable things such as gold or silver that you were redeemed from the uh, empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I'm sure there were over 100,000 lambs that got slaughtered over the years in the sacrificial ceremonies to bring cleansing because it had to be a certain lamb and a certain amount of blood and the certain blood brought to the altar. It didn't work. High priest died. Trust me, he wasn't going to let you bring a sacrifice that wasn't good. Back in the days of the Great Depression, a Missouri man named John Griffith was the controller of a great railroad drawbridge across the Mississippi River. One day, in the summer of 1937, he decided to take his eight-year-old son, Greg, with him to work. At noon, John Griffith put the bridge up to allow a ship, uh, a ship to pass, and he sat on the observation deck with his son to eat lunch. Time passed quickly, and suddenly he was startled by the shrieking of a train whistle in the distance. <clears throat> he quickly looked at his watch and noticed that it was 107. The Memphis Express, with 400 passengers on board, was roaring toward that raised bridge. He leaped from the observation deck and ran back to the control tower. And just before he threw the master lever, he glanced down to the ships below to see how far they were through and that they were through. And he, his eyes caught a sight that put his heart in his throat. Little Greg had slipped from the observation deck and had fallen into the massive gears that operate that bridge. His left leg was caught in the cogs of the two main gears. John's mind raced trying to devise a rescue plan. But as soon as he thought of a possibility, he knew that there was no way that he could pull it off. As the train alarmingly closed to the bridge the whistle of that train blew in the air he could hear the clicking of the locomotive wheels on the tracks that was his son down there there were 400 <coughs> passengers on that train and John knew he had to do something and he knew what he had to do so he buried his head in his left arm and he pushed the master control switch forward. 
And those great, massive bridge gears crushed his son, lowering the bridge, and the Memphis Express roared across the river. Do you ever feel valuable? Many don't. We've allowed the world to tell us of our value instead of being reminded of our value that God placed on us in that He sent His Son to die for us. How valuable are you? What price was God willing to pay in order to save you and to save me from sin? Number two, Jesus wants you to remember God's love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only one and only Son, and whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love for us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved, He gave. God demonstrated that love for us by sending that Son, Jesus, to die for our sins. A father was tucking a six-year-old son in for the night, and the father said, Son, when does Daddy love you the most? When you've been fighting with your sister and getting into a lot of trouble, or when you've been real helpful to Mommy and real nice to everyone? Son thought for a moment, then he said, Both times. Right, father said. And do you know why? Because I'm your special guy, replied the boy. You see, the boy knew his father loved him no matter what because his daddy's, he was daddy's special guy. Understand that you and I are God's special guy. Loved us so much He sent Jesus to die for us. Never, ever forget that. Ever. When life is beating you down, when you can't see how I'm going to go another step, Don't forget that God loved you so much, He sent His only Son to die for you. Wow. Wow. Now that should make you sit up. Because the great news is, Jesus didn't stay dead, right? He came back. (laughs) Ha ha! Good news for us. Great news for us. See, God sees us as special people. Ephesians 3, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power with the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know His love that suppresses knowledge. Number three, Jesus wants us to remember His cross. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love is no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. Wow. Just don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget what He did at the cross for you. And if you do, shame on you. Number four, Jesus wants us to remember our need. When we take communion every Sunday, that's what we do here. When you take communion, how often that you do it? Weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever. When you take communion, and I love to do it every week myself. So when we do it, we're not simply holding a piece of bread and a cup with juice in it. We're holding a remembering pieces to Jesus on the cross. Okay? It's really important. It's really important. Number five, Jesus wants you to remember what saves you. What 
can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other font. I know, no other fount, I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Whew. Amen. Amen. His blood saves us. Acts twenty two sixteen. Arise, be baptized, washing on your sins, calling uh, washing your sins and calling on the name of the Lord. Ananias tells Saul, who became Paul. Number six, Jesus wants us to remember our oneness. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're Declaring our oneness with the Lord. We are in harmony and communion with Him. Huge, huge connection that we have. It should never become mundane. Alexander Campbell, one of the founding fathers of the Restoration Movement, said each disciple, in handling the symbols to his fellow, uh, handing the symbols to his fellow disciples, says, You are my brother. Once an alien are now a citizen of heaven. Once a stranger are now brought home to the family of God. You have owned my Lord as your Lord. My people as your people. Under Jesus the Messiah we are one. Mutually embraced in the everlasting arms. I embrace you in mine. Thy sorrows shall be uh, no be my sorrows, their joys, my joys, joint debtors to the favor of God and the love of Jesus. We shall jointly suffer with Him, that we may jointly reign with Him. Let us then renew our strength, remember our King, and hold fast our boasted hope, unshaken to the end. Wow! That's it! That's why we do this. That's why we come together around the table of God. And then the seventh thing Jesus wants us to remember is to remember our future. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. John 14, I am going to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Woo! Woo! Just like He left, He's going to come back and get us. Amen? Are you going to be ready? Are you ready? Boy, here lately, I've been praying for the imminent return of God. (laughs) Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I find myself praying that more all the time. Right before the election. I don't care when He comes. But come quickly. Come quickly. You know, there are some things that just go together, don't they? Peanut butter and jelly. I'd always use food. (laughs) Abbott and Costello. Some of you, I'm dating myself now. Laurel and Hardy. Some of you young people are going, who are these people? Look them up. Lewis and Clark. Sonny and Cher. Proctor and Gamble. Seven up in a sour stomach. They go together. In like manner, you can't think of Jesus' death without immediately thinking of His resurrection. And that's what makes this story so powerful. That's what makes this doing it in remembrance of me so important because we do reflect upon the cross and what He did, but my mind quickly races to the hope I have through the resurrection. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. 
Father, I ask you this morning to move among us and that you'll touch the hearts of the folks here and they will sense your presence. And God, I just pray that you will uh, be very real in their life. And Father, if there's anyone here that needs to make a decision for you in some way, would they do it today? Father, would just one have that courage to say, I need you, Lord, in a deeper way. Would they just come, let us pray for them. Uh, Maybe they need to be baptized. We'd sure love to do that as well. Maybe they'd like to join the church, just be a part of a family of believers that believes in you and wants to dig their roots down here and bring all the people they know to this place. But God, the most important decision any of us will make is that personal connection to you. Many of, probably most in this room have been baptized before. They've made a commitment to you. Maybe they're starting to drift. Maybe they're discouraged. Maybe some depression is setting in. You can lift all those. You can, you can remove the fog that we may face. Whatever decision might be in their heart, God, would you respond through them and through their hearts and as we stand and sing in Jesus' name. Amen.